Haitian. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What's up, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel DeBona. <laughs> and I am David Uyoa. Are your other host? I, I, my, I'm all out of whack today, but it's okay. We're down to have some fun because tonight we are bringing you the pinnacle of horror movie, the absolute only thing you should be worried about when it comes to Halloween time. And we are finally getting around to the holy grail that is Rocky Horror Picture Show. And we're having some fun with it, as you can tell. And we are joined by a plethora of guests tonight. And we are going to have a good time. First off, we have got Mama Dixie, the Madam of the Pink Box Burlesque. Welcome. We've got uh, Jacob Summers currently playing Rocky in, uh, in Pink Box's production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And returning guest, and I believe now taking the crown for most returns. <laughs> yes, it is no longer Andy. a tie. Yes, no longer a tie. Now our most our most often seen guest in Ish. How are you, Ish? I'm good. I mean, what queen doesn't love a crown? Hey, there we go. <laughs> so we are looking to have some fun tonight. And we are, if you are a fan of the show, if you listen all the time, you're used to us doing these kind of in-depth dives and we spend all this time talking about story and setting and lights and kill shots and stuff like that this is going to be a different one tonight we are setting out to just have some fun but also i do believe that this movie is something that speaks to everyone who's on this on a very personal level so we're just going to kind of let this one flow and one of the big things that i really want to know is kind of what is your personal journey with Rocky Horror? Because I feel like this movie is something that touches people in a lot of different ways. A lot of people relate to this movie uh, just and, and find solace in it in different ways. So what, is, what was your journey from child to where you are now as someone who just adores this movie? Uh, I'm going to start with you, Mama Dixie. Yeah. How did it touch and touch and touch you? Oh. <laughs> Me. Um, <laughs> I saw this movie as a child and didn't fully understand it and I think at the time I was also trying to figure out my own sexual identity or at least was being given cues to what it probably was going to be um, and so when it came back into my life at the beginning of the pink box which was 15 years ago it was a no-brainer of course we're gonna do this um, so <laughs> So after that, it became, it's a staple. We do it every year. And so mm -hmm. I watch the movie probably 40 times every year. 40? Uh, wow. Yeah. That's so impressive. We've, we've met. Wow. Me and the <laughs> Girl, you were no joke. Like 40, 40 <laughs> times a year. Like that's almost one week every year. 
Anybody so, else, that would be an exaggeration. She's not exaggerating. No. <laughs> I believe it. It's concentrated in the, you know, third quarter of the year for the most part. It's not like I watch it in January. I will not. But Wait, so you crown all 40 into <laughs> like Q4? Like, in like two months, yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're kind you're, of you're, like you're doing you're you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Daniel, I cannot hear you. Oh, no. It's like spending a budget surplus go. at the end of the at the end of the fiscal year. Like, <laughs> I've, only, I've, uh, I'm, I've only got 14 times in, and it's October now. <laughs> As someone who's in marketing, that's literally where my head went. I was like, <laughs> I, like I was like, this is like, oh, we've got this extra money to spend now. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jacob, what about you? How'd you end up in all of this, man? Oh, wow. Um, I only watched it maybe once or twice growing up. It wasn't one of those ones that I watched a lot. Um, but it has a near and dear and special place to my heart because uh, my wife and I, uh, our very first time dating was Dragon Con 2018. And it was that same Dragon Con that we went to go watch the shadow cast of Rocky Horror and as we're sitting there watching it and Lindsay's geeking out over it because she used to be part of the Pink Box Burlesque and help, like she was part of the beginning of it. It's like, well, you know, they need a Rocky. They never have somebody like they always lose a Rocky. They don't stay super long. Like you need somebody who's in you don't have to be in shape, but you're in shape and somebody who has no shame. And I was like, well, I fit both of those categories. <laughs> so let me go message, you know, go, go message Mama Dixie and see. And like Mama Dixie, the first time I showed up to rehearsal was like, Yes, we do want you back, but we want you to go make it through this practice before you commit to anything. Oh. <laughs> because I think she thought I was going to be weirded out. And I was like, you already have me, but sure, I'll stick through practice. And at the very <laughs> end, I was like, yes, I'll do it. And then uh, at the end of the season, like I was like, do you want me back? She's like, you can come back as often as you want to. So <laughs> so, so, this, so this one wasn't a childhood thing for you. There's no like nostalgia necessarily attached to this one for you. No, it's not that we weren't like allowed to watch it or anything growing up. Like it wasn't, we weren't kept from it. It just wasn't something I was exposed to as much. I will say that whereas, you know, Mama Dixie was talking about it being part of, um, you know, her zeitgeist, her thing when she was a, uh, scarfing her own sexuality we'll say being on this show for the last four years has really opened me up as a person personality wise and i've been very comfortable around people and i've been accused of my butt being fake so you know there you go. <laughs> that's us. that's the that's sort of problem the, you want to have yeah exactly oh, yeah. i had to hike up trowel um anyway go ahead <laughs> all right what, what about you ish how did how did you end up into this one? I don't know how I follow up someone saying their ass was accused of fake. Um, like that, <laughs> it's a hard act to follow. But uh, so back uh, um, as the oldest person probably on this panel, back in you know the 1900s, um, in <laughs> mid to late, Fox, I had always heard about Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror. And Fox had aired, like I think it was the first broadcast screening of the movie. And they did it where it was like, you would see the the, the the movie, but then they were doing like, what is it called? Shadow cast. And then they would like pull back yeah, and they were back it up. So it was like, they were trying to show you how like, look everybody, it's the cult midnight movie thing. I remember watching it and being like, I don't understand what is the point of this? What is the allure of this? I, I, I didn't get it, right? But I'm like, I'm one of those people who has, as David and, and Daniel know, I love me a bad movie. So I, <laughs> just because something, I, I find it bad, doesn't mean I've stopped watching it. Like I will give it right. three more times, right? <laughs> and so I kind of just kept coming back to it. And then I have to say, when Glee did their episode of it, at that point, I was just listening to the songs kind of devoid of anything else. And I started digging the music. 
And right. then a couple years a couple years back, um, <clears throat> excuse me, at MegaCon, uh, you were there for that one, David. You know, yes, we, I was. That was a lot doing, of fun. That was fun. They were doing a shadow cast of Rocky Horror, and it was the first time I was doing it in person with people, and it was a huge crowd. And I was like, at that moment, I had that aha, like I get it now. It's it, you, yeah. know, you, you can't just watch the movie you have to participate. It really is audience participation. And um, I think last, I think it was last year, um, we actually on Halloween or Halloween weekend went to another uh, outdoor screening and did the whole not, you know, and then I had the props and I did the whole thing. So, you know, didn't dress up, but, um, it, and so it's been something I've embraced more and more and more, you know? Okay, Dave, man. <laughs> I would like, if I may, <laughs> to take you on a strange journey. Um, my um, my parents are odd because um, there there is the version of my parents before I was born. And there's the version of my parents that I had the pleasure of growing up with. And then there's the parents that discovered alcohol later in life. <laughs> so you all uh, have the same parents Go okay ahead. Very, very interesting yeah i feel like a lot of people have these parents and yeah. so my father was a fanatic of the shadow cast as a young man uh but i grew up in a very conservative household so all i heard about were the stories of this um i didn't actually see this myself until maybe middle school or high school and I saw it on TV, no shadow cast. And I appreciated the like the throwback hammer horror aspect of it. Um, and I was like, OK, well, that's cool, but I don't get it, you know, uh, and I like the music. I was oh, I'd, like I grew up a meatloaf fan. And so I was like, OK, like Eddie is fucking fantastic. Um, and and I, I liked that aspect of it when uh my wife and I started dating in high school or high school sweethearts. Um, there was a theater here in Miami called the coconut Grove playhouse that uh, used to do a shadow cast. Yeah. And we saw it maybe once or twice there before the theater closed, unfortunately. And so we started finding other theaters that had this because we became so utterly obsessed with the shadow cast performances. So there's a theater up in sunrise, which is a, about half an hour North of where we are. Uh, they would do it, I think it's every other weekend. Um, in Orlando, there's a theater that does it in uh, City Walk, which is where Universal Studios is. Uh, and we stumbled upon that one, just one trip that we happened to be there. So we'd try to schedule our trips when they were doing it. And it became such an integral part of our relationship and and our, um, like, my life. Like, it was, it, 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 there was... Um, like me, you know, David, the teacher who would go into class and teach lessons. And then there was me, David, the Rocky Horror Freak, who would continually say that I was a virgin so that I could run around the theater half naked. You know, like I, I, I love the culture of Rocky Horror, um, you know, and I don't know that I can be any more boring. Like I'm. I'm a straight guy and white passing, you know? So it's yeah, like, I'm about as boring as it gets on paper. And it's like, I, 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 for, for a moment, I can, I can, I can be with the much more interesting people of the world that, that I like, it, it, 
it's just it's beautiful everything about this show uh whether it's just appreciating the throwback horror aspect of it the b-movie aspect of it or uh like the music like i fucking love 70s rock and roll and that's what this is and 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 then the the culture that surrounded it that grew around it i mean this is the ultimate midnight movie this is the ultimate cult classic uh whenever anyone says hey I need a movie to watch and uh, I'd like to get into some of this like cult classic stuff, which believe it or not comes up fairly often. This is always <laughs> the first one that I throw out, but I tell them, don't just watch it. You have to go and you have to see it for real because yeah. if you watch it on TV, you're not watching it for real. Like I'll throw it on TV now. Like if I'm cleaning the house, I'll just throw it on and I'll, you know, dance to the songs, you know, Hey, anybody know how to Madison? And I'll, you know, do it <laughs> as I'm sweeping the floors and stuff, but it's, it, it's to be there. You, you don't understand unless you're there. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, this movie was always like, as long as I can remember this movie's a part of my life. So my parents were, uh, my, my, I was, I was born in 83 and so, and my parents were 19 when I was born. So they were in like, when this came out and it started to hit that, that midnight movie cult status, it was like, right. They were right in the prime of, of being able to get out and find this. So as I got older, I remember the way I originally got introduced to this was VH1 used to show this every year on Halloween, every year on Halloween, VH1 would show Rocky Horror. And so I would go out trick-or-treating with my dad and i would come home and my mom would be watching rocky horror and they had uh both gone to plenty of shadow cast they knew all the callbacks and everything so years before i ever attended a showing of this live i knew the callbacks i knew the stuff i was supposed to bring in my bag to get there uh, for when i got there i knew to have a water gun and a newspaper and and i knew all of that before i ever went so when i was in high school i went to my first shadow casting of it and i was in love with it even more and that was when i like like everybody said once you experience it it, it becomes so much more than just this, this goofy movie that's fun to watch. Once you're surrounded by all of these people who have dedicated all of this time. So I, I did that once or twice in high school, made it to college. Uh, and I, while I was in college is when Pinkbox started putting on shows of it here around Halloween time. So I would go usually I, a lot of times I would just do Brad because it was real easy. I'd show up with just my underwear and a white button down and some glasses. And it gets every once in a while, it would be really cold in late October. And so showing up in your underwear and a white button down was tough, but I did it. Uh, and you know, so, it's cold in October in nothing but like one piece of clothing. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Jacob wants to hear it. Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, for years, I would just go and, and I was amazed. And I've seen I've seen Mama Dixie uh, do the criminologist. I've seen Mama Dixie do the, the the lip song at the beginning. Like I've seen all of these things and I've, I've wa I watched people come and go. I eventually found out that uh, a guy I worked with was in the cast. He was part of Pink Box, not just hmm. in Rocky Horror. He was a regular uh, dude has got the pipes of an angel um but and he played played brad and i was talking to him one time and and he mentioned that the guy that they normally had who was their eddie 
wasn't coming back that year. And so that I should email Mama Dixie. So I emailed Mama Dixie and uh, it was the same type of thing. It was like, well, come in and get to know everybody and make sure this is something you want to do. So I started going to rehearsals and I, I just fell in love with it. And for a couple of years, I was fortunate enough to play Eddie, which is great because Eddie's a great character, but it was also amazing to get to play the role that meatloaf played because a lot, like you said, Dave, I grew up a huge meatloaf fan. Like I, I ranked bad out of hell is one of the best rock albums of all time. All and time. So, yeah. And so like getting to step into those shoes and, and then when you, when you act in it and you learn the, 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 I don't know, intricacies or delicacies of shadow casting it and the way that you you take little stuff and change it like I had I had this little toy saxophone that was probably this big <laughs> right I mean it was it was we eight don't have it. it was it was it was eight inches if it was four right and so like but I would I would come strutting out yeah with that damn sure thing it was on. buddy eight inches okay. <laughs> oh, we've it. all used that line so <laughs> Heard that. <laughs> and so I'd come out, I'd come out on a tricycle, right? Just like boots, <laughs> boots, jeans, jacket, the whole, I'd come out on a tricycle and like throw my helmet and, and do the dance. And then when it got time for the solo, man, I would grab that little plastic saxophone and I would wail. And it, it was just, it was amazing. It was, it was like nothing else I've ever done, really. I, I did eventually end up actually uh, doing some non-Rocky Horror performances uh, with Pink oh. Box as well. Uh, I moved on to being like a stagehand and helping out, and uh, I eventually even had my own routine. So uh, it's it led to a lot of things for me, but I just... This movie has uh, it's 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 not it's not the it's not quite as like sentimental and gushy as as being a date with my high school sweetheart is Dave, but <laughs> it, it it is it is a real special place for me. This movie opened a lot of doors, and Jacob said something that I really related to, which was this movie made me. Uh, I was after meeting so many of these people who were in the shows, who came to the shows, you you find yourself at an even higher level of comfort with just yeah. really anybody. I've always considered myself a people person and, and have loved people, but there's, there's a lot of things that kind of get unlocked for you when you're in a troop like pink box and you're doing a show like this, because one thing I learned uh, is this movie, a lot of people take it really personally. It, it's done a lot for them in finding their own identity. Mm -hmm. and and that's something that's really cool and you meet the you meet a lot of these people and and it's just it's incredible that really what is just on the surface is such a goofy thing but it means so much to so many people and, and being a part of that's just incredible so this movie will forever forever have uh just an amazing place in my heart if if i can piggyback off that idea for a moment um the importance that this movie has for so many people um, at that convention that Ish was talking about at Megacon. Um, I happened to have had um, a number of adult beverages before it started. Nice. And so uh, like halfway through the singing lips, I got to step out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have to step out because, you know, I've, I've got to use the facilities. And so I come back and um, they're doing the whole, you know, running around the theater routine. <laughs> and um, 
who is standing next to me at the very doors watching this from the back. It's like in the shadows, but Barry Bostwick. Right? No, he, he was, he was at yeah. the convention. And um, so I just kind of stood there with him and I forced myself not to fangirl over him. Right. Um, and, and so in city, right. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> on top of this, like spin city's fantastic. Oh. Right. So, um, I'm sitting there and I just kind of like he he's sitting there with his arms crossed and he's just watching and observing. And, um, and so I do the same thing and, and I, I look up at him. He's rather tall and I'm rather short. So I'd have to look up at anyone. Uh, but I really have to look up at him. And um, all, I, I asked him one question. I said, do you ever get tired of this? And he looked down at me and he said, you know, <laughs> no, I never do. <laughs> And like that meant so much to me because it's like we're here because of something you did and you're here because of the appreciation that you see your work did. Like the artist, the goal of the artist is to give joy, to make people feel something. That is what the artist does, whether it uh, whether the artist is a, a painter or a musician, a writer, an actor, it really doesn't matter because right. art at its truest form is designed to move people. And to see him getting enjoyment out of that, it's like, fuck, man. It's like the whole thing came full circle. And it was like, you're the fucking man, dude. <laughs> you know, awesome. you're, you're fucking Brad. <laughs> You're Brad Majors, dude. You are an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been great if that's how he would. He would have just been like, "Hey, asshole," you know. Yeah. And he would have been like, yes. <laughs> well, I thought about doing something like that. I actually thought long and hard about what to do at that moment <laughs> because it's like, "Fuck, how often does this happen?" You know, right? Like, when am I ever gonna get this opportunity again? Uh, because when I met Stan Lee, I was not that cool. You know, <laughs> like I totally fucked that one up. Um, but it's like, I, I'm like, I'm not going to fuck this one up. I'm, 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 and I, I, I'm, I'm glad that I approached it the way that I did. And I'm glad he gave me that response. Like that, that, that is a, one of the most special moments in my life. Like I've gotten married, I've had kids, um, you know, I've, 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 I've seen, uh, empires rise and fall and yet, and yet to hear Brad tell me, no, I never get tired of this. You know, that it's special as it should be. Well, and you know the thing about this movie is is there's it's got such a a, a weird kind of history to it just this this idea that they released this movie and it and it kind of flopped I, from what from what i was seeing like it was playing in like eight theaters as kind of an experiment and then they just end up pulling it out just cuz nobody's going to see it they tried attaching it to other things as double features and it didn't quite work. And then from as I was reading kind of through the history of this, I saw that uh, it was April Fool's Day of 76. Um, uh, Bill Quigley uh, was his name, convinced uh, somebody at the Fox Theater to show this as the midnight movie and and just kind of see if they could generate some buzz. And and it, and it then it just it started. It was a groundswell. It was this thing where people were telling people and all of these callbacks kind of originated just naturally. And and they started making fun of the movie, you know, like when you see a hand moving a prop and things like that. So the the kind of the next thing I want to approach is I, I know why it's so 
personal to you, but like, what what is it about this movie? This movie's, I mean, it came out in seventy five. This movie's, you know, forty seven years old now. So it, it's what is it about this movie that makes it to where? You know, Mama, you can still put on a show with this and 18, 19-year-old college kids are coming out and seeing it. What do you think makes this something that just has staying power? I think it's two things. Um, one, we've all had that experience where, you know, I'm the only one that can call my sister stupid, you know? Right. <laughs> I'll fight you in the streets, but I get to call my sister stupid. And this movie was one of the first times that the queer community had an opportunity to poke fun at itself in a safe space. So I can, I can call Brad an asshole. I can call Janet a slut. I can make fun of everyone in that space and I can make fun of how bad the movie is and how good it has become because it's my movie, you know, it's my space. And when, when you look back at the history of the live production before it became a movie, it had the same lifespan, right? It started not, it took a lot of drumming to get people to come in. And then it was, oh, you're not mocking us. You're giving us a space to mock ourselves. And that's really powerful. But I also think that it became this, this mystery. I mean, every one of you said it, right? I don't know why I didn't understand it until I was standing in it. And then once I was standing in it, it, it all made sense. It all clicked because we all agree in that moment that that's where we are. And how rare is that in a space for everyone in a room to agree that everything is okay for a second. So I think that translates across generations. Yeah, no, I, I think you've, you've got something that's, that's really powerful and really special there. That's Mm -hmm. this movie really does allow people to, I, even if you're going for the first time, uh, you know, and there's there's all this terminology around the movie. Even if you're the, even if you're a Rocky Horror virgin and it's mm-hmm. your first time there, and so you're you're not at all sure what to expect. It really can only go one of two ways, right? You're either going to be so overwhelmed that you are not ever going to want to be a part of this again or have anything to do it do with it, or you're going to find that place where you're just comfortable with whatever anybody may be doing and just see, yeah, finding a spot where you can do what you want to do is, is huge. Uh, Anybody else? We're just kind of round table in it tonight. I'll say, uh, you know, mama, may I call you mama? Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a little intimate. It's Dixie. You put some respect on it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, she's not starring in a production of Chicago, so I, I don't know. Like, the, the I've, heard, I've heard her sing, though. She could be in a production of Chicago. <laughs> that was actually the first song I sang for the show. and we we just met um (laughs) no but you know you you said something that i that that kind of clicked in my head and and ties back to what daniel was saying why do you think 18 19 year olds are still like in into it right it's still resonating and i think it also has to do with the fact that you know you said when you're in it you're in it Mm -hmm. when you're experiencing this whether the first specifically i think the first time you don't know what the hell is going on so you're not going to be on your phone right because you're constantly like Somebody's yelling slut over here and somebody's throwing rice over there and there's a piece of toast that flew by your head. Like, so you're constantly just like trying to figure it out, right? So you are, you're almost forced, right, to be in the moment. 
But then if you've done it for, you know, the, the 40th time in, in the last three months of the year, uh, like, like, like Mama Dixie, <laughs> you're also, you're tuned in, right? You're waiting for that cue. You're, because that's, that's you, the part that you enjoy. So I, I will say, I think there's something about that. I think there's something that this is one of those live events where people aren't just going to be, you know, on their phone or, I mean, I'm sure somebody will take the picture in the Instagram or whatever, but you're not checking your phone. You're not checking your feeds. You know, it's, it's about being in that moment. And there's probably so few opportunities nowadays where that is just like the thing outside of maybe a movie theater that probably has a lot to do with it, whether we know it or not. You know, I I think maybe just subconsciously there's something to that. I thought about it that way. How often are we allowed to yell at someone when we want to? Every day on the New York subway. (laughs) (laughs) That is almost a beautiful, perfect segue into what I was going to say. So Mama talked about how it was basically allowing the community to poke fun itself. And you talked about how basically it was your chance to be present in the moments. Um, Mm -hmm. Ishmael, sorry, I did not mean to say you, Ishmael. Oh, there we are. My thing. It's okay. Funny. Listen, you are as, as hot and shirtless as you are. You can call me whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is starting to feel like a Sunday rehearsal, Mama. Anyway, so um, <laughs> no, for me, it's about the authenticity behind it. I think that's really why I kept coming back. Other than, as David pointed out, um, being able to run around half naked. I don't have to pretend <laughs> to be a virgin to do that. I just get to do it all the time. So, um, but it's the authenticity behind it. Like, this is a movie that just did its thing. Like, I, and I know that there were some complications behind it. I'm not pretending that it got to be 100% itself, but like it got to do its thing. And it's one of those reminders. And I think it's the reason that 18 and 19 year olds will still come to it is people are still seeking out something that is just raw and authentic and true. And it doesn't care. It's not that it doesn't want to be successful, but it's not going to dim its light in order to be successful. They're going to make what they want to make regardless. And that's one of the reasons I've stuck with the show is the cast backstage. Absolutely beautiful with supporting that the movie itself, the message behind that. But that's, I think that's where a lot of people get touched by it, uh, to touched by it, um, <laughs> is that it really is just about like being raw and real and authentic, even if it's campy and weird and you're Tim Curry in a Forza <laughs> wig. So, you know, whatever. You could just edit a Tim Curry. I mean, yeah. he's, Tim, yeah. Tim Curry is like peak. I mean, there's, there's him and Jeff Goldblum. I don't think anyone can be more themselves than Tim Curry and Jeff yeah. Goldblum. I mean, I mean, if, if they ever made a remake, Jeff Goldblum would have to play Frankenfurt. I mean, well, Tim Curry's one actually, of my personal heroes for that. Yes. Yeah. And you imagine, Tim though- Curry's so unique in the fact that, like, when you watch uh, Legend, it's so <laughs> obvious that he's the darkness because that mouth, it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, that's definitely Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I just, sorry, I just wanted to touch on yeah. something really quick because Jacob said, you know, there were some problems with with the movie, and, and but it was still its authenticity. And all I thought in that second, in that second, was, can you imagine if this movie was to be made today? They, they, they would, they wouldn't be. There would be script notes, and 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 mm-hmm. you know, does it really have to be a transvestite? Um, can't we call them fluid? Can't we? Like it, they would, they would notes it to death. And, and be revisions and sendbacks, and it when it allowed yeah. it would be allowed to be edgy, it would be allowed to be appropriately edgy. Right, right. Well, I think it's the some of the magic of the movie itself. Like if you remove the 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 cult of Rocky Horror 
from the equation and you just look at the movie itself um like this is a film version of the rocky horror show which was richard o'brien's homage to the stuff he grew up with and allowing himself to insert himself into that narrative um as a fan of horror and um a huge fan of hammer horror to to see all of those old hammer sets for the final time because this really is the last time that we see a lot of those things so as like yeah as as a as a like a fan of hammer horror and a fan of horror in general um there's a lot of history in this movie and to to see like the the tank where rocky is made that's the tank that christopher lee was created as the monster in the curse of frankenstein you know a, a lot of those props are the original props that were used in the 50s and the 60s and the final hammer frankenstein movie was in 1974 so this really is the last time that you see that stuff and as much as i love those movies i don't rewatch them and see them as often as i do rocky horror and it's 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 a beautiful reminder of what inspired this from a genre standpoint because there's lots of like really subtle science fiction nods in here there's subtle horror nods in here and you you have i i, I think like actually a really great villain in dr frankenfurter yeah like he's 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 creepy and he's weird and you can sympathize with him, you know. Uh, like he he's a he's a great movie villain, I think. You and Daddy wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, for for me, I think that th- that's part of what is so often overlooked about why Rocky Horror um, developed into this thing. Because like it very it very obviously is a passion project, um, and I've never been able to see any sort of screening of the original show, like the stage production. Um, but there's a lot of special features on DVDs and Blu-rays where Richard O'Brien talks about the development of the show and and how it, the Rocky Horror Picture Show came to be, and it's um, it, I, I think it's an incredible document of maybe the last time that studios allowed a director to say, go, just do your thing. Uh, Because he was fortunate enough to be coming up at a time where uh, Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese and these guys were kind of bucking that studio trend where, you know, it was always like the studio was in control and the director was just a studio guy. And now it was like, okay, well, there's the auteur. And, you know, he has a vision and and the Rocky Horror Show was somewhat of a success. And so here, make it. And and I think that that's this is a a beautiful reminder of that time. And you you talk about Richard O'Brien and and of course, he's riffraff and and really Mm -hmm. the, the brains behind so much of this. One of the things that I've always thought was really fascinating was the fact that Richard O'Brien wrote these songs and then built a movie around them. He didn't he didn't mm-hmm. have a movie and then he was like, okay, and about now I need a song. So what fits in here? He wrote like a rock opera 
and then was and then was like, okay, and I gotta I gotta put some acting in here, right? So <laughs> when you look at what is you know, we talk about what brings people back to the movie and, and you know, if finding an identity and finding a place to be weird without feeling weird. And I think that that uh, a lot of times that, you know, I think that one of the reasons this hits so well for that 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, that's that's before your, you know, your your whole court, frontal cortex is fully, but you don't really know exactly who you are. You know, there, yeah. there's still development going on there. And and this movie can be a very important part of making you realize that it's okay to be whoever. And I think that Richard O'Brien, when he wrote these songs, was really just like, you know what? I'm going to write music that I like. And and then he he built all this around it. So I'm just, I'm going to jump straight into it. I'm going to throw it out there. What's everybody's favorite song on this? Like if, if there was one that you had to listen to on repeat, what, what I mean, what's it going to be? Th- I'm gonna throw it to you, Ish. You look ready. Oh yeah, because because everybody else looks like you just asked them to name their favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, kind of what's going through my mind right now. <laughs> that the face. I mean, I know that if you're not watching us right now, it's an audio medium, so you're not gonna see the faces. But trust me, it was very like <laughs> it, it, it was like that scene in Sophie's Choice is really what just happened here across the board. Um, you know, I am gonna go with. Uh, uh, touch me excellent it's a great one only because it's there again when it started to click for me was when i saw when i heard the music devoid or separated from the movie right on the on the episode of glee and so i was really into it so it kind of clicked with me but then the more i listened to it the more i'm like you know this is this is somebody owning their sexuality but it's also somebody owning their sexuality in almost like the most chaste way possible <laughs> you know in the, in, the, in the sense that it's somebody who's almost like just walked out of their you know fifth grade sex ed class and it's just like well now i know what sex is you know and you can you, you can touch me down there now right like you know okay i'm gonna show you my bathing suit parts like uh, you know it's, <laughs> there's, there's a certain also you're sense. only six hours old at this point <laughs> right <laughs> So there's there's an issue there, but you know it's all consensual. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it, that's another podcast. That's the dating <laughs> podcast. Um, separate podcast, separate, separate podcast. podcast. That's the one with the other guy from dating. But um, <laughs> and so there's something to that, and I you know, and, and and you know, and then obviously as you get older, you know, and and you you. You're, you know, you go through your slutty phase. It has another meaning for you, and I say slutty phase with all of the uh, strength and power that that word should imply. Um, I was wondering if it was supposed to just be a phase, but continue. <laughs> it was. I'll it was let never you know when mine is done. Grow out of hmm. twenty-five years of counting. Um, <laughs> no, Ooh, my boyfriend will be not be happy to hear that. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> there's uh you know it's it's a fine line (laughs) but yeah i I think that's that's one of the reasons why like when i hear that song it just it it, it's it hits me because as as naughty as it wants to be right and it's all about you know owning your sexuality it's it's just delivered in such a like coquettish almost way right Mm -hmm. where it's like I can't take this. I can't take her seriously with what she's telling you, what she's saying. But at the same time, she wants you to take her seriously. I just, I, I, my favorite part of that song is, is the part where, um, 
there's no use to getting into heavy petting. You know, it only oh, leads yeah. to seat wetting. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I love no. it so much. I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, okay. Like, you're yeah. really into this now. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a sponsorship for poise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. So anybody else? Come on. That's mine. I would say, like, you would think it would be sort of Damocles because that's like where I get to just jump into the movie and have fun with it. But it's really just like the opening. My favorite is the opening song. So the whole double feature song. I, I absolutely love that. It's like listening to a lullaby to go to sleep, but it's disturbing if you listen to it. Right. So like, it's it's awesome. It's like my type of bedtime lullaby. There's got to be like some element of weird to it. So, and the, the fact that like every time, every year that we do it, we do something slightly different. And this year we've got something majorly different. Won't say anything about it. Keep nice. it on my shut. Um, but um, it's just fun to watch. It's one of those ones where it, because it's a solitary voice doing it, it's the lips and the lyrics just get weirder as you go and the callbacks go with it. It's an oddly calming song that I can't get out of my head the moment we start doing rehearsals. Like it stays in my head for the next three months. Like mama talks about watching it 40 times. That song stays rent free in my head until at least new year's. The moment we start rehearsals. So I, I like it. It's uh, with science feet with, with the, the science fiction double feature. I love the, like the, like the toned down one that they play at the end uh, where they kind of retell the story of what just happened. I love how they take that, that same, like you're talking about like that weird lullaby tempo. And then they just kind of recap for you what just happened in case you were too busy dodging cards, toast and right. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here's what happened. <laughs> you yeah, might I mean, sit back down for this. It really doesn't make any fucking sense. So you kind of, you kind of need these magical lips, which are like, beautiful <laughs> lips by the way they're magenta like, lips yes yeah i mean that that, that is a, that's a gorgeous pucker there you know <laughs> and um like you need someone to tell you like what the fuck was that like i can't imagine watching this for the first time in 1975 like i turned to the person next to me like do you understand what the fuck this was i don't understand what was this it, was i know i good? liked it I but that's why it pulled from theaters, guys. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, when you describe it like that, it really does sound like a metaphor for your first time. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what the fuck just happened. You seem to like it. I seem to like it. I don't remember all the details, but it, it feels good afterwards. We and might I'm probably going to be ready to go again in like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that, that might be weird or fun. I don't know. <laughs> Mama, what about you? What 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 song what song does it for you? I I you watch it so much. I'm sure this really is a Sophie's choice for you. But which 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 one? If you had to pick one, I really want to hear this. It is. It's a tough choice, but I'm gonna say, I'm going home at the end. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I love it because I appreciate the sheer drama of being, um, you know, of having your subordinates show up with weapons, and you're like, no no no, I hear you. I I get that. But beforehand, <laughs> can I get an audience? <laughs> and everyone says, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and then I'm going to shoot you. And right. everyone's cool with that plan. I appreciate right. the full consent. Of you that. did right. <laughs> Mama, Mama, did you work at the post office? I, I, don't, like, I, don't... <laughs> I mean, I feel that. I feel you. I feel you as a business owner. I feel that. Yes. <laughs> like, I know the mistakes I made. At least let me go out with a flare. Thank you. Okay. Flick of the eyes, twitch of the lips. All right. Anyway, so. It's, you know, it's, it's just... It's a modicum of respect, and if you're gonna put on fishnets from wearing for that long, I feel like you should get a five minute solo tune. Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might drop and walk out. <laughs> and... It's hard work. Yeah, yeah, it ain't it ain't easy. Dave, what about you, man? I was hoping I could make up my mind by the time you got to me. Um, <laughs> oh, I was stalling. <laughs> oh, man, I have to make a decision here. Um, okay, so I'll give you the one that. I think I like to listen to the most, uh, like outside the context of Rocky Horror, and the one that I like to listen to the most within the context of Rocky Horror. Uh, so outside, like if I'm just listening to music, um, I'm gonna say that it's Hot Patootie, uh, because it may as well be a Jim Steinman rock opera that was placed somewhere in meatloaf's releases in the 70s and 80s you know it fits it, right it's, in uh, yeah it fits right in it's so great um i mean meatloaf is in top form you know um uh, because uh, when he lost weight there really was like less meatloaf there you know um, <laughs> yeah, i feel i feel like weight he, does yeah he he needs he needs to be at full meatloafness or needed to be at full meatloafness <laughs> to uh to, to to belt that, that out so incredibly dirty like i don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he needed to be at peak meatloaf oh, yeah i don't yeah. Yeah. Full meatloaf. Yeah, Full yeah, meatloaf. yeah. His um, his loafiness had decreased uh, <laughs> by by the time he put out. You know, I'd do anything for love. Um, and bad out of hell too. Nothing to shake a stick at. You know, but um, within the context of the movie, I think I have to go with Sweet Transvestite. It's just like it is such a powerful entrance. You know, like the moment those doors swing open, and here's tim curry strutting down this ballroom like fuck the whole world stops like yeah. gravity stops and and makes way for for tim curry you know like it's it's such an amazing moment in the movie and like now you know who you have to fear um i love that song and it's a great song too because there's others where i think like um, like I love, uh, don't dream it, be it, but it's, it's kind of soft, you know, it's, um, I, I think like the last 20 minutes of the show, it, it, I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it drags cause it doesn't drag, but like it definitely oh, it slows drags. down. <laughs> um, it, it definitely slows down and like. I, I think that was like Richard O'Brien kind of like being kind of introspective a little bit uh, that that part of the show, not a little bit, a lot bit. Um, but as far as like keeping the energy up, it kind of comes down for like a kind of a somber ending. And I like that Sweet Transvestite just keeps that energy up. Like, how do you follow up the time warp? Right. And, uh, and and that's how, you know, with one dude. 
That's yeah. it. That's how you follow it up. Um, so, so there's, there's my two part yeah. answer. I, you know, every once in a while, you know, it's, it's funny when I get these reminders of, of why I personally like to think that we're, we're so good on this show together is because there are times like when you're, you're dropping the history and like, yes, this thing is from hammer horror sets and there's all that shit. I don't know. And you're great at that. But then there are times <laughs> when Nerd. we're, yeah, exactly. But then there are times <laughs> when we're so in line because my exact thought process is those two songs in yeah. that same lineup. Like it, it's hot patootie uh, when I'm just if when I'm just listening because that's I mean you listen you're in the car listening to hot patootie and you're jamming. You might get a speeding mm-hmm. ticket listening to hot patootie. Like it, <laughs> it's a good one. That is a solid ass '70s rock song. Yeah. But man, when you're watching. And the way that Tim Curry demands your attention and you cannot look anywhere else when he's performing Sweet Transvestite. In the context of the movie, Sweet Transvestite is, is untouchable as a moment. I, I mean, you've got, you've got this powerful entrance and he throws off the cloak and you're, you're, you're in all of that. But then... It's it's messing with the people there. And I mean, just the, the scene where he gets the sip of water and throws it at the camera. You know, the, the couple of times that Frank just full blown breaks fourth wall and, 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 and things like that happen. It's just for for from what I understand, Tim Curry spent a chunk of his career after this kind of running from it. Never like fully just Ooh. embracing this as something in his career. I remember seeing some sort of uh, AM, uh, like AMC or IFC special one time where they were celebrating Tim Curry and they're just flashing up pictures of some of his iconic roles. And this picture of Frankenfurter comes up and he like visibly kind of shuddered, mm-hmm. right? And, and And this movie, because of the initial feelings about it, I think a lot of people did that. But- Man, when you watch this in that moment, there was there was nothing but Frankenfurter for Tim Curry. And yeah. God damn it, he was a sweet transvestite from transsexual <laughs> Transylvania. And, and that was his entire identity in that moment. And just like the like the little like corny dance moves and stuff that he does, but he just he just sells the shit out of them, man. Yes. It's it's incredible. And it was funny because as I was watching this last night, um, I, I, I had that moment where I was like, I need to just, I need to just make this commitment to the fact that this is my favorite song because I'm so like, you're watching it and and you know you're you're into everything before that and there's a light is great and the time warp's a lot of fun, the, the time warp being incredible especially when you're in the theater production. But man, I, I think that when I'm sitting in my house watching it alone. I'm still at like a theater full of people level amped for for Sweet Transvestite because it you're right it follows up the time warp which is incredible it 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 introduces this new character who people have only hinted at before and we're we're finally seeing what he's all about it's just there's so much to that one and I just God, I love it it's it's one of those. It's one of those where, when you're looking at first-time character introductions, Tim Curry, Frankenfurter coming out and doing Sweet Transvestite is one of the top ways to introduce a new character. 
of all time in any movie yeah. because it just absolutely slays everything that's going on in that movie at the time. There's this and, really and, great... oh, go, ahead. Go, go ahead, Mama. There's this really great interview that he gave um, right after the movie came out. It's one of the things that we show pre-show every year. It's this five minute, um, this interview. And the, the, the guy says, so uh, weren't you afraid to take this role that you'd be typecast as this character forever and you'd never be able to get away from it? And he said, who tries to get away from that? I don't <laughs> I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And if people have a problem with it, then okay, fine. Of course, he's smoking a cigarette in, in a very French style at the time. And so he <laughs> and he said, why would I get away from that? And he said, this is what I'm going to do. And I, if I can't do this, I don't want to do anything somebody's going to offer me instead of this. So who who runs away from that? And then it led to all the other things that he did afterwards. So it was a really, and he re he really did have uh, like an incredible career, you know. Yeah, um, and 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 never the leading man, but um, I mean, such memorable roles in every movie he was in. You know, a clue which came out about oh. ten years after this. I mean, such a good movie, and, and um amid a cast of stars, you know, because Madeline Kahn shines in that movie, but it's like, there's Tim Curry. Yeah. Ishmael just had a moment over there. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it, that's one of those, that, that, that's my Rocky Horror Mama, where like, I will watch that movie umpteen times. Anytime if I'm flipping through channels and it's on, well, cancel the plans. This is what's happening <laughs> well, now. We're watching Clue. Exactly the same way. And I'll tell you, we, as a troop, did clue one year we built it as a shadow oh. cast and we built callbacks for it and we built um we had a whole prop set for it it was it was mess. awesome and mama if, but, if we do that again i volunteer to be in it <laughs> but we took travel from that show and put them into our rocky that's how integrated it became for us and so yeah i'll happily do it again we just need a cast of like 17 <laughs> I will start recruitment now. Yeah. I mean, if you give me enough time, I'm sure I can make it out there. I mean, you know, just heads up. Well, and what David was saying about Tim Curry, too, that's one of the things that I love is when somebody was like, I can always tell a little bit about your personality based on which movie introduced you to Tim Curry. Was it Legend? Was it Rocky Horror Picture Show? Was it Clue? Like, what was it? Like, where did you see Tim Curry first? And it's all great, but it was still Rocky Horror first for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, we talked about the fact that, that Tim Curry went on to be such an accomplished actor. But, I mean, so did everybody. Uh, Susan Sarandon, I believe. Yeah. She won an Oscar for Dead Man Walking, didn't it? Like, I know she was nominated a lot, but I'm pretty sure she won for Dead mm -hmm. Man Walking. And I'm pretty sure Barry Bostick has at least one Tony. Like, I, it's, it's, it's incredible to look back on this cast in 1975 and watch this movie and then see what I'm sure that all of these people's award shelves are probably obscene. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's <laughs> except for one person. <laughs> well, those those three at least, right? I'm, I don't know that Richard O'Brien went on well, to do too much. Well, I, mean, I mean, little, little Nell little did shock no. treatment. <laughs> She was one of the ones who returned for shock treatment. Have any of you guys seen shock treatment, by the way? No. I just have to ask. No, no. It's, it ain't good. Uh, 
Verdict <laughs> win. So if, if you if you if you've never seen so shock treatment is the sequel. I mean, I it's it's a spiritual sequel, but it is also just a straight up sequel. I, I mean, it is the same roles. Brad and Janet get sucked into playing this game show where when you lose, things go really badly. Uh, and <laughs> it's man, it ain't good. This was this is this cast or no? Um, no, they uh, Little Nell's back, Richard O'Brien's back. Um, I think Magenta's back, if I remember correctly. Um, but like Brad and Janet are different actors, and it's and it's it's so much weirder if you can believe that. Jesus, what's the, what's the name of it again? It's called Shock, Shock Treatment. Treatment. I'm looking yes. this up now, and it and it, and it is it is technically a sequel to Rocky horror because like I said, it does have Brad and Janet majors mm-hmm. uh, after their wedding, but uh, it's, Oh man. Like it, it's hard to even like find those, <laughs> those threads of like bad, good. And Charles it. gray is back go. in it wow. as well. Wow. I'm yeah. looking through this. I've got to watch it just for the sheer. What the hell? Oh yeah. Yes. No, every, everybody who loves Rocky horror should see shock treatment at least once. Right. And but, it was also directed by Jim Sharman. Yep. Yeah. It, I mean, there's never seen this. There, there's well, a lot of, con- there's a lot of connective tissue there, but I, I mean, th- this movie really does stand on its own without it. But I think that that it's like I said, it's just amazing to see. I think that it's funny to to look at Tim Curry in this movie and see just I mean, when he's doing um, Make You a Man, right? And he gets on that pommel horse. And I mean, he's thrusted, but like he's like he's 100 percent into that. One of the things that I think makes this movie so good is that none of the actors approached it as making a B movie. None of them approached it as this is going to be a cult classic someday. They all stepped into it like, fuck yeah. I just got cast <laughs> in this new incredible thing. And and let's go. And it's it, that part really just blows me away every time. Like how committed everybody is, even to some of the cheesier stuff. Like uh, Barry Bostic, uh, Frank Furter, and pausing for the the statue and all that, like the the absolute commitment to all of this stuff. Because there had to be moments, right, where they're on set and they're going, "Hmm, I don't know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to watch this." Right? Yeah, and you know, there there is like it's just saying a fine line between um, like brilliant. And um, not <laughs> <laughs> eloquently, and, <parts. laughs> yeah. Um, like very famously, Alec Guinness said that while he was making Star Wars, uh, he kept saying, "I have no idea what's going on. I don't understand <laughs> this." It was, it was a, it was a paycheck for him, and it wasn't that until he saw, it wasn't until he saw the final cut of the movie where he was like, "Oh, I get it." <laughs> okay. And then he was really into it. Um uh I'm almost certain that he asked to come back for Empire Strikes Back, you know? So um I can totally understand uh any one of these actors. You know, maybe not Richard O'Brien because he's kind of you know, he's the brains of the operation. But um but I can totally understand everyone kind of looking around and like do you get this? Do you know what we're doing? <laughs> right. Like I, I'm following direction, but 
I don't know. But that, that also makes me question how much because you know we've all seen these movies where people are trying to do bad acting, and it right. doesn't it doesn't come across right. And so many times these cult camp classics is because like you say they're in it they're committing, yeah. But these performances are also over the top. So it, it's weird that they were able to find that balance because there's no subtlety here at all. I mean, this is not <laughs> this is not a subtle movie at all. But you, I, like, I almost sometimes wonder. I'm like, was Susan Sarandon just because she was still so young in her acting, kind of acting, quote unquote, you know, less than good as we would call her now, or did she know what was going on? Like, I, I don't know if if they knew what they were doing, kind of like what David is saying, because. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to do bad acting, it comes across as worse. Right, right. You know, if you're, when you're trying to do something on purpose, it doesn't achieve the cult status of a Rocky Horror, of a, of a Showgirls, of uh, Plan, <laughs> Plan 9 from Outer Space. You know, it's, it, 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 that has to happen on its own course, right? And then you come to appreciate it later. So I, 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 I don't know. I think it's just a testament to, their, to the acting ability of the three leads that we're still talking about this movie 40 some odd years later. Or you yeah. can have an actor that was so bad he only has one line in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> and one movie after that. <laughs> well, so, you know, in oh, that ahead, same Mom. interview, um, I've watched a lot of interview footage about Rock <laughs> throughout Shocker. the year. So, um, <laughs> forgive me. In that same interview, um, uh, Dr. Frankenberger talks about how the direction was given, and it was given based upon the theater script. And so they, because he was Frank in the, in the theater production, they, he told him, don't change anything that you're doing. Everyone needs to rise up to match you. And that's how we're going to film it. So um, Tim Curry became the guidepost for everyone else to see how over the top it needed to be. So they were performing for the, for the last row of the theater. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I I read it. I read a thing about Susan Sarandon. Apparently she had like, this wasn't something she actually went into audition for she was in the process of trying to get a role in some things and was personal friends with tim curry knew that he was uh doing this movie and went to just talk to him about something else and when she got there they saw her and were like you have to read for this role and so she just read she just started reading for it. they're like yeah that's it like it's yours you've got it and oh, wow. so she knew less about what she was doing when it got started than a lot of the people i believe tim curry was part of the theater cast before it became a movie he uh, was but the theater frank yeah. yeah yeah and so she knew less about it than than a than a lot of people who were attached to it and i was reading an interview with her where she was saying She's like, look, I, I love this movie and, and I love what it did for me and, and I love the people of it. She was like, but it was miserable on that set. She was like, we were just cold and wet all the time. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. just, she, was, she was like, from the minute we started filming until the minute we were done and I got to change, she was like, everybody was just cold and wet. They had to and- keep the continuity. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, it was. It was really interesting. It, it's. It's always. This is one where it is a lot of fun to read into the history uh, of all of that stuff. But when we're talking about the present, all of us have said that it's about being in the moment, and we were saying that even for the actors, it's about being there and feeding off the people you're with, which takes us to an just an indelible part of Rocky Horror, which we've mentioned a bunch of times, but that's callbacks. 
I mean, when you're when you're just looking, you've got a theater full of people who are who are just all trained to to say these certain things. What are what are some of the ones that you just that you get hyped for uh, when they're coming, Dave? I'll start with you. Like when when you go to see it, you're like, I can't wait for this moment. Um, you know, maybe it's because the. The thing my dad used to harp on so much was the whole asshole and slut thing. <laughs> but that I, I think it might be like maybe the most iconic one. And it's the first one that always comes to mind, you know, is uh, someone says Rocky Horror and I immediately just shout asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I love I love that idea that like you can you could just like be yourself. And 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 be called out for it and love it. So I, I'm probably gonna go with asshole and slut. What about you, Ish? Uh, I mean, I'm also gonna go with not even the asshole. I'm just gonna go with slut because it feels like a hug. Um, <laughs> I'm explain. It, 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 it's it's like when you know when Norm would walk into Cheers. Uh, they would just say, Norm. I just feel like I'm home. They get me. Um, it's just. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so and so for for the two of you, I'm gonna kind of I, I want to kind of flip it. When you're on stage, even if you're not out there performing, if you're if you're in the wings and you're you're waiting for your part, what's the one that you love hearing thrown at the stage the most, Jacob? Oh shit. Well, I am gonna preface really quickly by saying my favorite one to hear. And are we do is there a censor on this podcast or there no? there is not? We, okay, we have so a the morning then. on YouTube. The yeah. androids fighting and fucking and sucking on. <laughs> that, that's it cracks me up every time. As far as the one I like to hear, uh, the, the one I honestly like to hear the most, and I'm not gonna try to make it so that it's not doesn't sound as sappy as it could be. But when I'm out there as Rocky and I'll hear laugh, asshole, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> I, it makes me smile because it always makes me think of Mama Dixie sitting over here in rehearsal because she's usually right here beside me in rehearsal when that happens, like cueing me and Frank. So like when I hear laugh, asshole, like all I can think is I'm going to laugh like a seal and somewhere I'm going to hear Mama Dixie trying not to laugh <laughs> really hard. Like I make it sound stupider every year, just so she'll break character. So, my job during that scene is I'm holding the weights, so I'm on my knees right next to him, holding these these very complicated bright pink dumbbells. Um, so no one else hears that callback on stage but him because I'm right next to him. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I, I never paid attention that nobody else did it. It's just you. Okay. Well, then where do we go? Yeah. Um. My favorite one is one that we brought in, and that's the during the sheet scenes. You know, he says, "There's no crime in giving yourself over to pleasure," um, and the callback is, "There is in Alabama." <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Every year that strikes somebody, and and then there's this moment of applause where, again, like we all in that same moment go, "You're right. That's some bullshit." Um, but I enjoy. I'm the callback queen, so I do all the callbacks. So I'm sitting with a mic all the whole time, but. The ones where we're we're spelling words out, right? <laughs> you know, like he says during the or right at the end before Rocky is born, he says "you see," and so if you time it, you can say "f u c k" spells "fuck," and then like 
I don't know why that's so funny to me, but the timing on it has to be perfect. And I'm just excited when I get it right. She times it perfectly (laughs) pretty much all the time. Like if nobody else hits it, she hits it. And (laughs) I, uh, just from, from my experience with pink box, like just, just in case anyone is wondering how serious we are about that callback being something in Alabama, the, the list of rules that that a burlesque trooper perform i guess just any performers but but that we had to adhere to to make sure that we didn't get shut down at like decency rules was really? so absurd. oh man so when when i have I, something to vent about when you're done continue yes so uh <laughs> like okay so i would be eddie and then when i when i was killed i would mm-hmm. run backstage and i would change and then i would be dr scott and so I would go ahead and have on my my bottoms for uh for the the, the end bit, mm-hmm. and uh, so I would be wearing fishnets and a pair of like jockey briefs. Mm-hmm. I would have to wear two pairs because if there's any definition to your bulge, if it looks like anything other than a Ken doll, mm-hmm. then you can get in trouble. Really? Uh, yes. Yeah. Like, so- Go ahead, Jacob. That's you know, the reason. Dude, we, we've all seen what you wear. <laughs> we okay, well, thank you. Roll time. I have shown more bulge in a bodybuilding show than I'm allowed to show during burlesque. Oh, shit. But wow. yeah. that, no, seriously. Like, I've shown more bulge on that same stage for bodybuilding than I'm allowed to show for burlesque. And it's not that I'm trying to make you see, I'm not trying to be gross, but every little shape or anything like that. But like every year, I'm like, okay, I have such a simple, stupid, silly, fun role. Like it's catered to me. Like like I'm catered to it in terms of like it. I'm supposed to dance really bad. I don't have any lines to mouth. Um, like it's just goofy and fun and silly. But so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make this more ridiculous each year. What tiny thing can I do since I'm only wearing gold shorts? And I asked Mama this year. I was like, okay, can I wear a gold thong? Because I knew at least 17 people in the audience that that would break their minds. And then, and you know one of them I'm talking about, Mama Dixie. Anyways. (laughs) That's real. Yes. And she was like, unfortunately, no, the rules around, you know, Alabama laws about that, you can't. And I was like, that might be the most heart crushing thing I have ever heard. Because I wanted to walk around stage in a gold thong and just make that scene incredibly stupid. Can I ask a a, a, a question about the burlesque of it all? Like, honestly, because I mean, you, you know, you, you, y'all are doing Rocky Horror, which is in, in and of itself subversive already. And it's risque. I mean, there's you know, there, there's sex, there's seat wedding. Um, you know, there's, there's all, all, this, all this. Can't if you do, it's all if you do your job right, there's lots of If you of do your job, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if he wasn't a thong, there'd be more. So it's a good thing. You're not having that happen. But do they really, I mean, logistically, do they really police it that, that much? Or is it because, or because you're a burlesque troop doing it? Because like Jacob was saying, when he's doing the bodybuilding, I mean, I've seen bodybuilding competitions. It's not like these guys are showing up in a three-piece suit. You know what I mean? Like, and so again, this is not Rocky Horror, but I guess it kind of is related. I don't know. You brought it up. I have have the question. I just want to know. Do it. So the restrictions that he's talking about are are state legal restrictions. That's the law, uh, the indecency law in the state of Alabama. Mm -hmm. Does the theater care what we do? Not after 15 years, right? They really give me carte blanche to do whatever I want. That's not going to do any damage to the theater, but and we have, through the years, we've made, we've built relationships with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We've talked with everyone okay. that we need to, to make sure that we're following the law. And there are other troops in Alabama that don't. 
So why is it that they can get by with it and we don't? Because they're one show away from being shut down at any given point, you know? And because we abide by the laws, we're allowed to get into bigger venues. We can have a more legitimate presence. And when we do something like Rocky Horror, we can do it for 15 years and we can continue to drum up a relationship with the community. And it also means that we can partner with other organizations and we don't have to, they don't have to justify their relationship with us. Okay. So you're, you're, you're thinking big picture instead of also they sometimes get naked. <laughs> the reason I ask for about everything before I do it is I'm like, I realize you've got a responsibility to like keep this open bigger picture all year round. Right. But, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, when, like when you look at how ridiculous, like, and, and yeah, we're, we're kind of off the rails, but I mean, this is about being subversive and stuff. When you look at how ridiculous some of these, I, right before, right around the time that I started in Pink Box, there was, uh, there was a sketch we did, not in Rocky Horror, but one of the shows, it, it finished right before I started, but there was a kissing booth sketch. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where two of the girls kissed in this kissing booth. And it drummed up like enough drama that uh, one of the guys we had who his he did like this real vaudevillian like dirty comedy uh, mm-hmm. at the time he like in the next show did an entire bit about like that drumming up like controversy just because we just there were there were two girls and like and getting into like legal trouble about it and stuff like that like that's how weird the decency laws surrounding this stuff get like it really did it really did become like so then making fun of the fact that it caused issues became part of the next show and it was it was incredible it's one of the things that 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 i've always respected and loved about mama dixie and pink box is she's like like she said there's there's these other troops that are around here they're always one show away she's always making sure that they're they're not on that line which is great Mm -hmm. to be able to look forward to them coming back um we were talking about callbacks though Hmm. it's uh my favorite one uh be you know and kind of kind of looking at it from from both sides uh, of the of the stage right i I, I just, I, yeah, you know, asshole and slut. That's just, that's, that's so much fun. I like describing it as a warm hug. Like now that you've explained it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I, I can embrace these things. But my favorite one being on stage was, so because we, we would perform in the, uh, the historic theater here in Tuscaloosa, the mm-hmm. Bama Theater. We, there are, they, uh, Pink Box, and, and do you still sell the, the bags? When you come in, so Pinkbox sells bags of the stuff you need to participate. Perfect. But one of the rules was, look, this is a historic theater. They're letting us do this. We're not going to disrespect it. We're not going to do any of the food stuff. So we, so there's no throwing rice. There's no throwing toast. So there's, there's a bunch of great stuff. But the one that we would do that looked incredible from the stage is... So during, um, during I'm going home, I would be sitting there in my wheelchair, just watching. And when he gets to cards for sorrow, at, like the audience just explodes. Cause there's usually like an entire deck of <laughs> cards or mini cards in that bag that they would give. And when you're sitting there on stage and he says cards for sorrow, you just see it's like confetti. It's like a confetti oh, cannon wow. goes off in that audience. And 
in the moment it's awesome. And then when everybody leaves, you go, oh, shit, I got to sweep up. That 52 pickup was bad. <laughs> but, man, sitting on stage, seeing everybody get so hyped for that one because it is like the, the, like the toilet paper's cool. No, but, it's not. man. But see, <laughs> I'll tell you why in a second. Tell your story. But 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 just just seeing the cards explode into the air, and I mean, people must be people are gambiting these things out there, right? It's not like anybody's just grabbing the handful and chucking it. Gambiting. Like they're they're full blown bridging these things into the air, like they're auditioning for a Vegas magic show, <laughs> and it's unreal to be on stage and see that. But yeah, like I said, afterwards you got to clean it up, but you know, pay to play. The, the toilet paper one, the toilet paper one. So it's not, okay. So I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking it's not cool because we have to clean it up. Yeah, sure. There's that. I have a personal issue with the toilet paper one. And I don't know if mama has heard me complain about this, but I bring it up at least once a practice. I just, I don't know who hears me. So this, when that happens, I'm under a sheet I can't see anything. I'm under a sheet with whoever's playing Janet that year. So it's been three different people so far, four, no, three, four different people. And somebody decides that they're going to try target practice. So <laughs> I'm underneath that sheet when all of a sudden I take a roll of toilet paper to my balls and I had to not react while I was under the sheet. And I think it was Harley who was with me at the time was like, just grabbing my hand like it's gonna be okay and i'm like (laughs) so i've got ptsd over the toilet paper callback (laughs) see what's what's funny like i think it's okay to react to that my friend yeah (laughs) it's okay i think rocky would too yeah Yeah. well what's also what's also funny about the, the, the toilet paper one is people seem to be torn about when the toilet paper callback actually is because there's there's dr scott bursting through the wall but there's also Eddie bursting through. And there was mm-hmm. one year when I was Eddie. And and so I come out and the toilet paper just starts raining down. And so uh, me and Columbia, who is played by the magnificent Mona Squeals, uh, who it will just always name. have a place in my heart. Um, she <laughs> recently had a baby. So anybody who's watching, if you know Mona Squeals, make sure you congratulate Mona's her. She best. did recently have a baby. Um, but Mona Squeals is my Columbia. And... Um, And so I come out and I've got to do this whole like dance sequence. And I've got, I've got like blocks that I've got to hit because I've got to, I've got to hand Brad the saxophone and there's toilet paper rolls everywhere. (laughs) And so I was like, all right, well, you know, fuck it. Like, let's have some fun. So I just start kicking uh, like toilet paper back into the audience, like boots to toilet paper. I'm sending it like five, six rows deep, like just streaming it out over these people. And so that, that one, like that one was, that one was fun um, for me, but I didn't take one to the nads. So (laughs) 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 since you all mentioned like local ones, um, there was one it's in Orlando. um, And I've just found out, I was looking this up um they lost their uh their theater so they were at the theater in um city walk which is where universal studios is in orlando um there's a group called the rich weirdos and they um sorry yeah rich weirdos yeah um instinct yeah right (laughs) um they did they did a callback uh during um 
uh, over at Frankenstein's place where um, when it would say uh, there's a light, um, instead of saying over the Frankenstein place, it would say over at Epcot Center. And, <laughs> and it was it was one of those things where it was like it was oddly specific, but it was um, it, it's, it's a great memory that I have of that, because for a couple of years, my wife and I would drive up almost once a month to go see that specifically and then enjoy the rest of our trip there, you know, at either Disney world or or universal studios. And it it was, um, I think that's, that's the beauty of um, Rocky horror is that like, it can't, it is adaptable and, and it can be so relevant to wherever it is that you are. It's amazing how, how this all spread before the internet, you know, because I mean, even these these you know local particularities, right? If you really stop and think about it, nowadays anybody can create a you know a shadow cast situation. It's like you bought you you get an Instagram page, you post up the rules and call it a day, right? But this really had to happen organically. I mean, this is the definition of grassroots cult fandom mm-hmm. because it it managed even like you you know Danny was saying, yeah, there's some debate as to whether the toilet paper is here or there. But for the most part, it's pretty standard across the board. And not now that we're all interconnected through the interwebs. Like back then, you know, it it was just always the same thing. And I I guess that also just speaks to the power of like finding your tribe, you know, that that this is it's something that you you, you carry that. uh, This is going to sound weird to say because it sounds like I'm talking about like, you know, some type of weird like Native American thing. But it's like, you know, your tribe carries your traditions with you wherever you go. Right. And then you spread it and it becomes part of just the, the, the culture it, to the point where even if you don't know what the rules are, most people who know about Rocky Horror know that when you go watch it in person, there's rules. I don't know what the rules are, but I know the things <laughs> that you yell yeah. and there's- 70% different. of them are the same, but there's that little wiggle room of 30%. <sighs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, so we're, 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 we are coming up on time. And so, look, if, if you listen to the show all the time, this would be normally where I'd explain the rating system and stuff like that. But this this movie's beyond that. I, I mean, I, I, I really think that that if for, for all the movies that we've done and we've 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 come up with all these rating systems, I, this movie, I think, at least for the five of us and a lot of people who are watching and listening, it's there's there's no way to separate yourself from this personally and no. and to and to rate it. I think we can all just agree that this is a touchstone in, in movies and in just in in a lot of things for a lot of people. Uh, so I'm I'm just I'm just gonna throw it out there. We're we're, we're not gonna rate this one. I mean, we all love it. We we've we've spent an hour and twenty minutes now telling you why yeah. we love it yeah. and, and everything. You know, I, I think it's pretty obvious we'd go around and, and everybody would, would just kind of have great things to say about it. Uh, so um, I do want to take a minute and, and make sure that before we finish up, we give everybody a chance because uh, Mama, Jake, Jacob, I know you guys are doing a production of this. So for anybody who's watching live, tell them how they can come see y'all perform, Mama. Mm-hmm. So our Rocky Horror Picture Show for this year is our 15th anniversary. It is nice. Yeah, it's our it's this Saturday, the 29th at the Bama Theater in Tuscaloosa. There are still tickets available and there will be tickets available at the door as long as we have them. But I will say that we sold out the last time we did it and uh, we should I hope we continue that trend. So you can get those tickets at pinkboxburlesque.com. 
Um, and if you want to check out the event page or anything like that, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. I'm probably sitting next to you right now. It's who that was. Okay. Yeah, she does that. <laughs> Mama Dixie is omnipresent. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, like, like you think I'm kidding, but Jacob can attest to this. You can be, you can be in rehearsal. Like there can be the people who are like the focused ones who are rehearsing and you're just sitting over here, like running lines. Like it's just me and Mona over here practicing dance steps. And then all of a sudden you just hear, Nope, you did that one wrong. It's like, damn, like, <laughs> like, Brad, like Brad and Janet have serious shit going on over here right now. How did you know that we screwed up the little hands behind the head thing? Oh no, me and me and Nubia will be goofing off all the time, actively trying to distract people, and all of a sudden I'll just hear the very sultry mama voice right behind me. I'm like, where did you come from? It's true. It's true. Um, and so, Jacob, I know you play Rocky and are obviously in very good shape. Would you like to tell everybody why you're in such good shape? Obviously very good shape. I'm in above average. I wouldn't say very good. All right. So None of us are doing the show with our shirts off, Chief. I mean, roll tide. Anyway, so I know you said no, no rating system, but I will give it the Charles Atlas seal of approval. So, ah, ah, there we go. Ah. So, um, yeah, so I own and run my own gym in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, off of 15th Street. It is Bars and Stripes Fitness. It is a fully inclusive gym. I know that a lot of gyms say that there's a no-judgment zone, but we really truly do take anybody in. Um, basically anybody who ever feels like they were, they didn't belong in another gym will run out of it. Uh, people who are ashamed for their bodies, people who just felt like, you know, they didn't fit in because people would try to talk down to them or pull their weights or take pictures. Basically anytime that you've been in a mainstream gym, if you felt uncomfortable, we try to eliminate that because we feel mm -hmm. that the trainer and the gym should be, should not be your last obstacle to getting in shape. So we work with people of all body types to hit all types of goals in a fully inclusive, friendly supportive environment but we are still going to kick your ass and get you strong and muscly so yeah that's awesome with a world uh, friendly as and, 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 and i'll and i'll throw it out there too you can see J if you're watching us live you can see uh jacob's instagram handle down there at bars and stripes fitness llc but that will also lead you to his personal one where you can also <laughs> catch pictures of him and his wife doing amazing cosplays like uh what like he buried the lead uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. cosplay. Like, I, I very, I very much cosplay. Oh yeah, they they cosplay hard. Like like Ish, you recently did uh, an amazing Wonder Wonder Woman. At, Wonder Girl. Uh, Wonder Girl. Yes. At <laughs> at uh, at New York Comic Con. Um, yes. Head head to his page and check out his wife. Oh, I'm also doing doing an amazing um, Wonder Woman because uh, she's great. Mm. All right, and Ish, where where can they listen to more of you? Well, I. I do judge people at the gym, unlike Jacob. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't. You're allowed don't. to judge the assholes. <laughs> <laughs> then I judge everyone at the, at the gym. <laughs> the gym I go to, for the most part, because God knows I live in Miami. But, um, <laughs> oh, no, shit. Uh, so okay, so you're not even exaggerating. Continue. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can count on one hand the amount of people I don't judge at the gym. And it's not even based on body type. It's just based on being a douche. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, uh, well, I mean, at this point, I, I would hope they know, you know, you can find me at Pero Let Me Tell You, uh, wrapping up our fifth season, uh, we'll, uh, at this point, this will come out, what, uh, end of October? Next week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mid-December, we'll be wrapping up our fifth season. It's been crazy, but uh, we'll be coming back again next January, and, you know, it's been great, and the best 
part, to be honest, is that I have met these guys and, you know, they keep they keep inviting me back. So I guess they, I must be enjoyable to hang out with or something or they pretend I, they need a third. I don't know. Sorry, I, we like you. <laughs> I never ask questions when people invite me to the party. I just show up. So <laughs> lovable son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so make sure you check out um, everybody out there on where we're all on Instagram. Of course, if you want to follow us, if you're listening or watching and you're new to us, we appreciate this is your first time that you've checked us out. We've had so much fun with this one. Uh, we do deep dive a different horror movie every week. You can find us on mm-hmm. all of the social medias at ShiverPod. We, If you head to ShiverPod.com, you can find links to all of that, including where you can watch us live on Facebook, Instagram, and, oh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We are on Instagram as well, but they don't do mm-hmm. video. Uh, uh, from StreamYard. Uh, so make sure you follow us on all those at ShiverPod. Uh, Dave has been much better about me about keeping up his 31 days of Halloween. I've been I have posting- not missed a day yet. He I've been not. late. I've been late, but I have not missed a day. I have I have I have been greatly slacking. So at some point, probably tomorrow, there's gonna be like a 10 picture post. It's like <laughs> here's all the movies <laughs> I was supposed to tell you about because I do have a schedule, but uh, you know, things. Things get weird. But anyway, follow us at ShiverPod and make sure you head to Public if you like our logo that you can find right over here. I got to point at an angle today. Yep, uh, right over here. Right above my shoulder. Uh, but if you like that logo, you can get it put on anything if you search for ShiverPod or Geek Bro over at T Public. Absolutely. Uh, so on behalf of all of us here on Shiver, happy Halloween and fright you very much.